To all the exhausted village. I'm, that's what I'm going to call your fans, Kyle. The exhausted village. Shout out to the exhausted educator. <laughs> this is a Holding On To Learning LLC production. Woo! The ideas expressed on this show are not the views of their employer. Besides, if you really want to take advice from this guy, well, you should probably do it at your own risk. You're going to love the exhausted educator. <laughs> What is going on, Education Heroes? Thank you for stumbling into the Exhausted Educator Show. This episode is about your favorite topics, testing, assessments, grades. Yes, I know you're jacked up about it. Usually you probably don't get jacked up about that. In fact, it's probably something that makes you exhausted. However, our special guest is going to throw out some ideas about revamping all of it for your sanity and for the students in your classroom. It's all for their benefit. Pretty cool stuff coming up about that. Speaking of testing, though, you know, I hope you're not giving those tests out in the jungle because there's a lot of cheetahs out there, people. No more gadgets! I just wanted to get started, getting us warmed up. I'm not going to waste a lot of time. We got a ton of stuff we're going to roll into today. Let's get to it. Here's the rundown on our episode, all about assessments, grading, and testing. And we're going to dive into an interview with a high school science teacher in just a minute. He's going to explain this amazing journey he's been going through for the last so many years and the incredible things he's been doing in his class and it's starting to rub off on others, people. His ideas are very intriguing. You're going to want to listen to it. Then we're going to go into party time, and it's going to be all about my personal demons with testing, struggles I had with testing in school, and I'm really going to dive into my struggles with teacher certification. I could get on it. It's like my soapbox. I could get on on top of that box and scream it from the mountaintop for a long time because I honestly think we need to revamp the way we're looking at bringing in teachers in a lot of different ways. But this one's going to be specifically about certification and the struggles that I had. And then we're going to end up finishing with testing retakes. Some are for it. Some are not so much for it. I'm going to share a few final closing thoughts with you about retakes coming at the end. If you want to fire up a staff, put them in a classroom for about an hour and force them to try to sift through everybody's different opinions on grading and tests and assessments. You're going to see explosions, probably. People in education land have really strong opinions about assessments how assessments should roll out, student accountability, and all of it. It is a really difficult task. And as somebody who's been on like multiple report card committees and grading committees, I can tell you, I've seen a lot of fireworks. People really get fired up about it. Our amazing guest, David Frangiosa, who's a high school science teacher from the amazing state of New Jersey, is going to dive into some really innovative ideas. Now, he's not just somebody who's throwing ideas out. He's been doing these things for years. 
and his ideas are starting to catch on. He's also an author. He wrote a book with uh, one of his colleagues that he works with, like a co-teacher. And he's also a podcaster. He puts amazing content out there in a wide variety of ways. You are going to love listening to his ideas. If you're really strongly opinionated as far as grading and assessments and so forth, just take a breath and soak in what he has to say and see he's going he's gonna to make some sense. Whether you agree completely with him or not, he's going to make some sense. I will tell you this. I'm not going to dive into all of my opinions on tests and assessments the way he does, but I will tell you this. A lot of the students, you know, tests and grades, they're like a confidence breaker. You know, we're trying to get kids to take risks in classrooms. Really hard to do that if they know that you're grading everything and they're constantly worried about passing. He's got a wide variety of things he's going to share with you. I'm going to turn it over to him. I think you're really going to enjoy this this interview with him. It's a great conversation. He's a really cool dude. So let's get into it. Here he is, David Franjosa. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe he's the king of assessments. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too much, Dave. But Dave Franjosa is with us, and I'm super excited about it. I wanted to have him on for a while to talk about his um, really, really interesting take on grades and assessments. Dave, thanks for joining me, man. Uh, thanks for the kind words. I, I wouldn't say king. It's something that I'm into, but you know, uh, we all still got a lot to learn. Well, I, I've heard a ton of your stuff. And before we you know, officially hit the record button here, I, I told you this already that I, I've heard a lot of stuff. You've been all over the place, man. <laughs> all kinds of podcasts. You know, you're blogging. You've got your own podcast going. you got a book out. Uh, just doing all kinds of amazing things. And I think your message is really, really important. It's a good, different kind of take on how we can approach grading and assessment in general. Before we jump into all that, though, I want to give you just a, a minute, to, a couple minutes, as much time as you need to, talk about your interesting, at your interesting journey into where you're at now as a, as a high school science teacher, because you didn't start in education, right? No, uh, I was not originally... Um an educator. I, I was a chiropractor before I went into teaching and uh, I had an opportunity to uh, transition into biotech. And, you know, I, I was kind of fed up with the way health insurance was going and all that. And uh, I had my own practice and just really wasn't feeling it. And an opportunity came up where I had to get an MBA and I would have had a, a job moving out to La Jolla, California. Um, and so I said, all right, I can't do the practice and, um, you know, go get the MBA. And so I actually um, took the practice because I had a ton of science credits and, you know, people always need science teachers. So I said, all right, I'll teach for two years, get the MBA and then, you know, leave. The program was supposed to start in January. I never wound up uh, stepping foot in a class because like by November of my first year teaching, I was like, you know what, this is really cool. I, I like this. Um, and so, you know, the, the first place I was at, I was a terrible teacher. Like, you know, I, 
Yeah, I knew a lot of information. I didn't know how to uh, relay it to, to students. I, I didn't know how to connect with them. Um, you know, like personally, I could connect with them, but not like in terms of really teaching them. And, um, you know, I, I moved from that district to another district and it was better, but it still wasn't great. And, you know, I always I made excuses like it, it wasn't me. I wasn't the problem. Like, you know, it's these <laughs> kids. And, um, you know, so then I moved on to my third district and I was seeing the same things. And I was just like, all right, it can't be the kids. <laughs> and um, so then I started to take a harder look at myself and what I was doing and, you know, what we're doing as a system. And um, there were some things that I thought we could do better. Some things that, um, you know, were getting in the way and they, they were the heart of every conversation that I was having with students. And so I said, all right, my assistant principal at the time came with the idea. He wanted somebody to pilot, um, you know, a standards based course. And I said, me, I'll do it. Like, you know, I, like I just need to do anything other than traditional grades because like I was ready to pull my hair out. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how it started. It wasn't really like this altruistic, you know, Hey, let me do good for your kids. Uh, it's turned into that because once you start pulling that thread, you see the damage that traditional grading, traditional assessments, the high stakes tests, um, you know, you see the damage that we're doing to kids. And, but, you know, I, I can't perpetuate that anymore. And, you know, so that's kind of been my mission over the past, it's going on seven years now. Wow. Um, and that's what the blog's about. That's what the podcast is about. That's what the book is about. I know it says going gradeless, but it's really about, you know, building relationships with students, good pedagogy, and how can we get them learning for the sake of learning and transfer those skills to things that they haven't seen before. And, you know, it's, it's not easier. It's not harder. It's just different. You know, so instead of the carrots and sticks of grades, now everything's a conversation. Um, so it's like, okay, here are the choices that you're making. Here's their impact or their potential impact. Um, here are some other choices that you could be making. And it's, you know, we've been talking and you're a coach. It's a coach in the classroom. Right. And that's how I've described it numerous times. And that's really the best analogy, right? Because when you're teaching your players new skills you're not grading them if you were to grade everything that your players did half of them would quit yep you know so we just want to kind of coach them to their next developmental level whatever that is um and then just work from there wherever they are is fine yeah you, you know it's interesting you know all my years coaching i used to, used to think you know we dive deep with these players you know high school level coaching boys coaching girls like we're looking at all the potential of every individual, right? Like you only have X number of players on your team and you're looking at, well, this player can do this really, really well. And we're going to make sure that we put them in spots to be successful. Right. Mm -hmm. And I kind of think that's, I've always thought that that is something that really translates well to teachers who work with, with especially kids who are struggling in school. You find the things are doing really well and you boot, give them a boost of confidence and then they're maybe more willing to tackle some of the harder things as they go through the whole process. And I was, I was, I said to you previously, you know, I, one of the hard parts about 
that I always have had with, with grading in particular is that we just want kids to be able to step out and try, like not have a, a horrible fear of failure. And sometimes the grade will be a hindrance on that, you know? So uh, just in general, I think coaching, like the coaching philosophy works really well in classrooms. And the way that you like individually assess a, a player is somewhat like what, what uh, many, many teachers do in the classroom if they're really looking at, you know, let's develop the parts of the, of the student that need to be developed, but also let's make sure that we're, we're really giving them a boost on the things that they're doing successfully. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of teachers do a lot of these things very, very well, hmm. and then they undermine themselves by putting grades on it. Yeah, you know, and, and so it's just not that consistent message. Right. And I've said this before and I've gotten pushback for it, but grades are the biggest lie out there. Hmm. Right. Because if you're talking about if you're grading something in September, October, um, you know, what we're doing isn't as in-depth or sophisticated. Right. So the we're just kind of getting them used to the classroom procedures. You know, we're easing them into content. It's usually um, you know, lighter content. Um, and so if they're doing everything that they're supposed to be doing developmentally at that level, I shouldn't even say supposed to be doing everything that we're expecting right. at that level, you put an A on it. And so in their mind, they're thinking, oh, I'm doing great. And there's no incentive for them to continue to work to get better because like, you know, it's saying, oh, I've reached my goal. So as long as I keep doing this, Right. I'll be okay. Right. And then inevitably what I was seeing is, okay, now, you know, December, now it's well, B's and C's and then like, you know, March now it's C's and D's. And it's like, well, I was doing so good. Mm -hmm. And then, well, yeah, you never progressed. And a lot of times we, we know the damage that grades do. So we say, well, I can't give them, this on an assignment this early because it'll wreck them. So you're not telling them the truth with the grade right. and then they don't progress. Now, when we took that out of the equation, it's just like, all right, Hey, look, here's what I'm seeing. Here's what you can do. Um, it's a more organic conversation and it's just more productive. Yeah. You, you know, so first of all, uh, grading and assessment is a heavy, heavy lift for somebody oh, yeah. to tackle. You know, I've been on like grading committees, report card committees, and like like some of the fights that could ensue, you know, just the bickering over, you know, big details to some people, small details to other people, but some people just have staunch opinions about it. So for you to be able to step in and tackle this it is it says a lot about your perseverance probably, uh, but your willingness to try to, you know, that, that something, something need to change, right, that to help students and uh, get, a, get a better idea of, of, of building them up and helping them be successful. So let's go kind of take us back a little bit to like the beginning process of this whole thing, because that couldn't have been easy. Like starting with, hey, to my, my principal, I got this idea, you know, and floating that and then kind of all, all the way up to where you're at now, because I really appreciate all the time that you've spent. You put out, you know, you're putting out material and you've lived this over you know, almost seven years now. Yeah. So it was a little easier for me because I wasn't the one who introduced the idea. Gotcha. Right. It was admin 
um, you know, Tim Whelan, who's now the principal of the school. He's the one who initially, he didn't even approach me. He approached one of my colleagues who happened to sit at uh, the, the desk next to me in the office. <laughs> and I said, you know, I, I want to do this. He's like, yeah, sure. So uh, the original plan was to take a full year, um, develop everything, and then start this the following September. Um, the frustration got too great. And I had something in place by November of that year. So I talked to my supervisor, our director of curriculum. We, you know, um, we kind of tried to poke holes in it. And like, there were some things that we changed before we even implemented it. I got a focus group of students that came in um, and we actually went through a lab and how I was planning on rolling this out to the rest of the students. Um, and after that initial focus group completely changed the way that I, I rolled it out to students because I realized that it wasn't going to work. Um, but nothing was a surprise. So, you know, I, I started telling them in November that, all right, look, January, the semester's over second semester. This is what we're doing. All right. This is why we're doing it. I had parent information nights. So I had the parents come in, ask whatever questions that they wanted. Um, I answered every single one as honestly as I could. If I didn't have an answer, I told them I didn't have an answer, but just understand that I will do my best to get that answer. And here is the intent and we're going to honor that intent. Um, if anything needs to be changed, it will be changed. And I had parents like I, I let them say whatever they want. And there were people telling me, how dare I in the most important junior year, I'm going to be the reason their kids don't get into college. And, you know, I, I heard them out. I let them vent. I said, okay, I, I understand the importance of grades and they'll still get one. Here's how we're going to calculate it. Um, and we used this decaying average that nobody understood. Hmm. Um, you know, so there was like a lot of communication, a lot of confusion, um, you know, but just the fact that I was willing to stand in front of them and answer every single question that they had um, the majority of them by the end of it, even if they didn't agree with what I was doing, they understood that I had students best interests in mind. Right. So they were willing to give me a chance. All right. So I would say that was probably the best decision that I made. Um, and, you know, I, I've said this numerous times, my initial entry into this was very, very flawed. Um, it was clunky. It, it took me weeks to turn around feedback. Um, you know, just the, the sheer volume, um, the language that we were using, it was generic. So it wasn't specific to the task. Um, but the one thing that it did do, it shifted the focus away from grades. And I saw some really interesting and important things um, even as flawed as it was students who had never engaged before, like you were talking about, we just want them to try right. students who never had an on-ramp to a learning conversation. Now this like, wait a second, I can get a three in something. I was like, well, yeah, you know what, that particular skill you do really well. So let's see how we can take what you're doing here and just expand that. And so I started having more conversations like that. And, you know, um, I've told the story about uh, that one particular student, like got a, a, a 40 the first semester and a 77 the second semester. And the only thing that changed 
was that they didn't see a grade, <laughs> you know? And like, for me, that student alone was enough for me to say, there's something here. All right. I, I know it's not right. I know it's not good, but we got to keep going. Right. And that's when Elise jumped in because she saw the change in my students too. Your co-teacher. So, uh, so she's, um, she's the co-author. So yep. we actually shared a classroom. Yep. Gotcha. So we, we didn't team teach. Okay. Um, but you know, for, this is my 10th year at Hills. Uh, we shared a room for nine of them. Gotcha. So, um, you know, she's like, what are you doing? Because the students are very different than they were the first half of the year. <laughs> and she's like, whatever you're doing, I want to be part of it. <laughs> and so the next year we kind of took parallel paths. We did things different, but you know, we talked every day. Um, and so then that following year is where we said, okay, we got to come together and do something more common. And then we started getting, more specific language around our uh, learning objectives. And um, we just started to kind of tweak things. And it took us probably about four years to get to a framework that we actually said, yeah, this, this is it. And then it took us another two to get language that communicated to students that um, these are the things um, that you should know and be able to do. And here's the path to that. And, uh, we're constantly tweaking that too. Like, I mean, we're not done. Um, you know, every year you find something that you can do better and we continue to do student surveys and like their input has driven this, uh, beyond where I could have expected without students being involved. Um, it wouldn't be what it is. You know, we have the best resource, you know, just ask them what they need and they will tell you. Yeah. If you're willing to listen, really good things could happen. Hmm. I like that. I like that a lot. And good on your administration for get, for being patient and letting you uh, and, and your co-author, your, your colleague, you know, work through the growing pains. Cause I'm, you know, I'm sure you're still working through it, but um, not every administrator, not every leader is always going to be as patient. And that had to be a huge piece of the puzzle for you. Hey, could you just kind of give the audience just like a little little bit of a dive into what this looks like in action, kind of what you're talking about? So this is the thing that um, I guess most teachers are wary about because they think they have to change everything that they do. And my class looks very similar to the way it looked before. The only difference is... Um, we're not constantly judging students, right? And it's no longer about, okay, this problem's worth 10 points. You got six of the 10 points and here's why. It's, okay, we're doing problem solving. So problem solving, all right? Oh, your illustration, you got one there, great. Um, you know, what might be helpful for me is if you labeled where everything is acting. So I, I can see where you're putting all of your given information. And, um, you know, if you could just show me the, the equation that you used, uh, that would be helpful for me. So it's the things that we're doing aren't different. The way that we're supporting them, the way that we're talking about them, those things are different. And we have changed certain things. Like we, we changed the order of our curriculum because we found that certain things supported the development of some skills better than others. And we found that um, it was easier for us. I'm a science teacher. So it was easier for us 
to develop those investigation skills prior to going to problem solving skills. Because once we went there, um, students always wanted the right answer, right? Regardless of whether it counted or not, they wanted the right answer. So we had to find a way that that wasn't the focus. And so we switched up our curriculum and then we went to a more systemized approach um, and, you know, really thinking about like executive functioning and how we can, um, you know, address visual, visual, spatial, auditory, all those different things. And so we now have um, narrative representations, how we speak about concepts. So that comes first in our unit. Then we go to pictorial representations. So now we're spiraling back and now we're drawing it out. So what does that look like? And then we go to our graphical and mathematical representations. So we just keep spiraling, spiraling through and they'll see it multiple times. And so maybe for somebody who resonates with auditory processing, they're going to get it through that and then reinforce it with the pictorial and the mathematical for other people who need to see it. Right. So when we spiral back through and we're, we're showing them the same thing again, but pictorial representation, there's just, the, the aha moment. Okay. That makes sense now. And so we're, we're just trying to support it like that. Um, we have a bunch of different practice opportunities, so it's no longer, everybody has to do this. You know, it's okay. You all have all of these opportunities available to you. My suggestion to you, Kyle is right. Here's where I think your area of opportunity is maybe focus on that, you know? Yeah. And so that's kind of how we approach it. But like, if you just walked in on a regular day, you wouldn't notice a difference between any other classroom. Yeah. It's intriguing though. The whole concept is very intriguing to me. And I know you've, you've put a lot of content out there and I know you dive a bit deeper into the, in, in your book that you, you all created, but you know, it, again, it is heavy lifting. And <laughs> do you have any, do you have any advice if there's anybody out there who's like, you know, I really want to go further with this and see if this is something we could bring into our school? Do you have any advice for starting this heavy lifting? Yeah. So um, definitely reach out and find somebody to work with you. Hmm. Right. So don't go it alone. And if you don't have anybody in your school, reach out to me. Okay. Right. I, I am happy to help anybody who um, doesn't have that support. So um, I I've done it for people already. Um, it's something that I enjoy. So you're not bothering me. Um, <laughs> you know um, yeah. I'll, I could talk about this stuff all day, but definitely find somebody that you can work with. Um, understand that whatever you do will not be perfect and we're not trying to be perfect. And I think that's also a really good point is a lot of times our students see what we do and it's so polished. Hmm. Right. And if we show them that, Hey, wait a second, you know, we don't have all the answers we're trying to, and they can see us be flawed. Yeah. I think that opens up the door to them to say, okay, here, I don't need to be perfect. Yeah. So you know, I, I think it's really good to just be honest with them and say, we're trying this. I'm not sure how it's going to work. We need to be a team. You let me know what's working for you. You let me know what you need and how I can make this better and partner with your students, right? It's not what you're doing to them. It's what you're doing with them. 
dude. I love the stuff you're selling, man. I absolutely love it. I could sit and listen listen to you for hours, and I actually have in many different ways. So I I, I kind of have a little snippet of of what you're all about and the kinds of things you're working on. What what about in the future? Any any ideas where you're headed? You looking to expand this? Maybe uh, you know grab a few more people within your school or beyond your school walls. What what are your thoughts there? I I would love to. You know so. Um... In my opinion, I think this is what's in the best interest of all students. And, you know, we we talk about, you know, social emotional learning. We talk about diversity, equity and inclusion. We talk about social justice and we talk about them as all these separate things. And we never address the the root that ties it all together, which is, you know, grading and assessment and what drives a school. And so, you know, a lot of these initiatives, um, they're not as successful as they could be because we're not consistent in our message and people get frustrated, they fall flat and then we abandon them. So uh, part of what I'm doing, I'm, I don't know if you know, AJ Bianco, he's mm-hmm. another Jersey guy. Yep. Um, so we've been doing this series on collaborative leadership, um, you know, every other Thursday night we're, we're talking about like, how do we choose initiatives? How do we roll them out? Um, so we've batted the idea around about like maybe writing something, um, you know, more formal about how do we support all of these initiatives and show that, um, intertwined nature of education, um, and having this multi-pronged approach rather than trying to put out fires. So that, that's something that I'm interested in. Um, you know, Michael Weingarth is, um, if you don't know him, he's at learning pillars, um, just a a genius. Uh, he will make you think more than anybody's ever made you think. Hmm. And, um, he sent me down the rabbit hole of emotions, learning in the brain, um, executive functioning. And so that's definitely, a project that um, I have a framework for right now. I just need the time to do it. Um, But I I just want to show how we can use all of those concepts. They're not a distraction to learning. They're the path to learning. Right. Mm -hmm. So like um, that's definitely a project that is um, at the forefront of my mind that I want to get done. And I'm going to spend a lot of time this summer. Um, I've, dove into a lot of different resources there. And so I'm still kind of in the research phase of that, but I I have a framework of what I want to do with that and how we can apply those concepts in the classroom to, to make a better learning environment for students of all experiences and abilities. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and, you know, you kind of hit on a bunch of different things there, but I'll, I'll just kind of hit on this, you know, the main question that we should all be focusing on in education is, what's best for kids, right? Like what's, what is best for the students in your classroom? And I feel like you're, you're, you're diving into a bunch of different areas that definitely fall into that category, Dave. Dave, um, just, just so the audience can know, how can they contact you or, or get up with you? We'll put some stuff in the show notes for you too, but sure. I just want to share with them, you know, how they can, how they can uh, contact. Yeah, I, I'm a simple guy. So I'm just <laughs> at David Frangiosa. Um, I'm on Twitter. I don't do any of the other social medias. I'm on LinkedIn, but I don't really like, um, I don't keep up with it as much as I use. Twitter is my main one. Um, 
I have all the blogs and podcasts on reimaginedschools.com. So, um, you know, you can find my stuff, either one of uh, those two places. And, you know, you want to DM me, DM me. Um, They're open, you know, so I'm always willing to have a conversation. Awesome. Awesome. Really appreciate you coming on. And just so you know, if you want to, you know, hear any, any more pieces of him diving even deeper He's got he's out there on so many different podcasts. Just just search for him on whatever podcast platform you're looking on, and stuff will pop up. Like when he's with meeting with uh, Dave Schmidt, or he met with in Teach Better Team, and uh, even even listen to you on uh, was it uh, Beer Edu? Right, that was a great one. Yep. Yeah, you talked a little bit about some of the brew you enjoy. So on top yep. of it all, so Dave, thank you so much for jumping on, giving everybody a little taste of what you're all about, and and I think uh, maybe whet their appetite. I hope. Well, thanks for having me on. Party time. In this edition of Party Time, I'm going to open up my soul for you. Well, that sounds pretty disturbing. Let me try that again. I'm going to be vulnerable, extremely vulnerable. I'm going to share some things with you that I have not shared with many people not many people know this about me. So I have struggled a, for a long time with tests. Now, so do a lot of people. That's not rare, right? However, me specifically, I have a couple instances in my life where I can tell you how tests dramatically impacted me. One, back when I was in eighth grade, and a second time when I was getting ready to become a teacher. So let me take you back. Kyle Hill, the 8th grade version, was a flat-out mess. Now, in case you don't know, I have ADHD. And yes, that can come with its challenges. But you may not know this. It also comes with some hidden superpowers. That people with ADHD in their brains can do some amazing things. I'm not tooting my own horn. I'm just saying there's a lot of people with ADHD who do amazing things. Well, as great as some parts of ADHD can be, there are some things that can be really challenging to work through. One of which, for me at least, has always been sitting in a room with others and trying to take a test. Now, when I would sit down to attempt to take a test, I would always, the anxiety would go go up. Now, when I say take a test. Let me clarify that a little bit. When it comes to like content and just like studying up content, usually did a, a reasonably well. I didn't crush it when I was in school at all. But, you know, if I had to just sit down and learn stuff, a lot of times I could do it. But when I had to take a test that involved me trying to dig deeper and use my skills or apply skills that wasn't just things I could memorize, really challenging. And not always because I couldn't do it. A lot of times, it's because I was really distracted and my anxiety would go through the roof. I'm not, I'm usually actually a pretty chill person, but when you put a test in front of me and I've got a room full of people around me, it's not that I can't focus. So many ADHD people tell you this. It's that I can focus on everything. I hear the kid across the room who is squeaking his shoes. I can hear the person next to me as they fiddle with their paper. 
I can see the person in the front of the room who gets up to sharpen his pencil. And all of which is making it really, really tough for me to actually like dial it down and focus on what was really important. Now, in one specific instance in eighth grade, I had to take a, an assessment for to get us ready for, I guess it was probably a, similar to a state test. However, they were using the results for uh, certain programs in high school which we did not know. The only message that, that I received, or at least the message I heard, <laughs> whether, whether they sent this message or not, the message that I actually uh, perceived to hear anyway, was that this test didn't count. And for me, in my eighth grade body, I was like, huh, okay, I'll do it, but I'm not going to care a whole lot about it then. Well, I remember sitting down, and for me, my biggest challenge is reading comprehension. It is not that I can't comprehend. I'm a slow reader. That doesn't mean that I can't read. I just read at a slower pace. And when you have ADHD, sometimes it's hard to focus on a passage, especially the longer ones. And this thing was filled with huge passages and questions to answer. So I like slugged it through the first couple. Like I really gave it a go. And then something in my ear was kind of like chirping like, dude, this doesn't count. Do you really care about putting in all this effort? You're sweating bullets here. You're really trying to avoid all the distractions. Good job so far. Let's just roll. And that's kind of what I did. <laughs> I just, instead of continuing to, to test well my best ability and show stamina all the way through and perseverance... I did it, but I didn't really try very hard. And I didn't realize the results of that until I showed up in ninth grade. And in ninth grade, apparently they used that one assessment to make decisions on who should have some extra support with their reading. Turns out, that was yours truly. I ended up in a reading program called Tells Reading. And they would take me out of my uh, study hall couple times a week and work with me on reading skills. And it turns out I was doing pretty well. But when I had to do like longer passages, that's when I really struggled. And since that specific assessment was filled with longer passages, I wasn't set up really for success there. The good news is I graduated from Tell's reading about halfway through the year. I think they realized he doesn't really have, you know, as much need as we thought. And I graduated and moved on. But I did learn a valuable lesson that apparently these assessments that we give in schools, they have some importance. And that leads me to my next assessment that I want to share with you that had enormous, enormous importance. You see, I had to take multiple praxis tests coming out of college. Now, this was years ago, and there's still plenty of tests of, that are out there, but I know we're starting to move away from it, thank goodness. Uh, but in my particular case, it was reading again. I struggled with the reading part. I took it multiple times. I want to say uh, one or two times, and I just missed the cut line by like a point or two. And so what I realized when I was testing was I would narrow it down to two. I could always get 
down to two choices. And then I figured, hmm, I think I must be choosing the wrong one when I am narrowing it down to two. So the third time I took this assessment, here was my amazing strategy that (laughs) surprisingly worked. I narrowed it down to two, and then I figured out what choice I wanted, and I chose the other. And I actually passed pretty easily, surprisingly. That weird strategy (laughs) worked for me to pass an assessment. I'm not telling you all of this because uh, I want you to go ahead and use that strategy on an assessment or teach your kids that strategy. No. What I'm telling you is that specific test had zero bearing on whether I was going to be a good teacher or not. I This particular topic about certification for educators really, really gets me fired up. It pro- maybe more than any anything else. And the reason, my background is I've always wanted to work with kids who struggled in school. It's because things didn't come easy for me. And what I know about teachers who can help kids who are struggling is that many of those teachers who make the biggest impact or make a great impact, it's because they understand. They understand that To be a student doesn't always mean that things come easy. And as a matter of fact, you know, sometimes when you struggle through something, you understand the process a little bit easier. Way back in one of the early episodes, I shared a party time story about my son who struggled riding a bike. And it came so easy for me that I was horrible at trying to teach him because I didn't know what to do. The good news is, Even if things come easy for you, you can still figure out how to break down skills. It just takes extra research. However, if you're somebody who struggled with something, you've got some extra insight. For example, if you were somebody who has a learning disability, well, when you're working with a kid who has learning disability, yeah, that's pretty powerful stuff. You know that certain things might not come easy. You've been in their shoes before. It does make a difference. So what on earth does all of this have to do with certification tests for teachers? Here it is. I don't think those tests can tell you who's going to be a good teacher or not. Matter of fact, I know. I know that's the case. It can tell you who might do well in certain areas on content or who can apply certain things. But I'll guarantee you this, there are plenty of, plenty of people in education who did amazingly well on certification tests and were lousy educators. And there are plenty of teachers and para-certification tests too, or principal certification tests too, who maybe just made it over the, the hump and are amazing in what they do. It breaks my heart that I know personally quite a few people who have, were amazing or are continuing, continuing to be amazing in their education position, but have struggled with those certification tests. And the fact that we would deny them an opportunity to make an impact on young people, it eats me to my inner core. Like I said, I could go for a long time about this particular topic. But all I'm going to say is this, testing is, 
it's not the way to figure out who's going to make an impact on kids in the classroom. You know what is? Real experiences. Take a look at them, what they're doing in the classroom, in their student teaching, or when they're substitute teaching. That's it. That's it. How are they interacting with kids? Do they know how to build relationships with students? We are in a world where if they don't know the content as well, they can figure it out. We've got boatloads of resources. You can dive in to whatever you need to, whether it be a curriculum or on the internet, and you can figure it out. But you know what you can't figure out all the time? That awesome ability to be able to relate to students. You're not going to find that on a teacher test. I'll guarantee you that. That's not in there. They might ask you about the importance of relationships, but you can't prove that you're, that you're good at it. It is a skill. And it's one of the most important skills. And being able to relate to students and be able to figure out how to break things down for them, so important. And if you can get teachers and paras and principals who have stood in the, in the shoes of those students at some point in their, in their lives and understood the, the dramatic challenges that those students face, whether it be learning challenges, behavior challenges, maybe it's challenges at home, disadvantaged backgrounds, all of the above and everything in between. Those are the people who can really make an impact. And if we deny them because of a stinking test, it's horrible. It's flat out horrible. I know people who've been dramatically affected by this. And you know what's worse? The students, the students didn't get to have that continual impact from those awesome people. Because I know some really good, really good people in education who couldn't go through and pass the certification process. And the worst part was they didn't get to continue to impact kids, at least not in that position. I could go for hours. I want to slim this, I want to slide this in though. There's another piece that we don't really get into. It's certification for teachers and all the extra pieces that, that happen. You know, there's alternative routes. We, we really need to take a good look at that. It's an amazing opportunity, but we also have to make sure that we're not tying down the people who are trying to do it. Imagine how hard it would be to start a job and say, okay, now we're going to have you take a couple classes and we want you to do these, at, <laughs> these different projects along the way while you're trying to learn your job. It's not easy. I love the idea of, of alternative route certification. I really do. We just got to make sure that whatever it is, whether it's alternative routes, whether it's uh, certification for teachers coming out of college, paraprofessionals who are working on their certification, principals who are trying to get certified, we just got to make sure that it makes sense. We just got to make sure it makes sense. It does not have to be harder than that. We are not trying to get people to pass something like the bar, to know law in and out. You don't have to go in and do brain surgery. You know what you need? You need to be able to relate with kids. You're never going to find that on a test. You can answer a couple questions, but that specific talent, and it is a talent, it's never going to come out on a test. 
It's not going to come out on a lot of projects. It will come out in the classroom. It'll come out in your schools. And if you've got a group of people who can sit back and watch it, it you'll know. You'll just know. So thanks for listening to my bit of a rant. Again, I'm being vulnerable here. I struggle with tests, and I know a lot of you have too. There's a lot of teachers out there who say, I'm not very good at tests. Well, I really wish that we all kind of band together and make sure that we help new teachers, make sure that we help any teachers who are coming in from an alternative route certification. Things have got to change. We've got to make it easier on them. We've got a real shortage problem. We need more people to come in and do this amazing job working in education with kids. So impactful. We've got to make it a more meaningful experience coming through the certification process. Testing. Yeah, you're probably not happy to give it, and they're they're not happy to take it. Nobody really enjoys the idea of testing, but it has its place in schools. You know, I'm about to tell you about the importance of retakes, and I am well aware that as that comes out of my mouth, there are probably some of you sitting here watching this or listening to this on a podcast, think, and you're ready to throw pitchforks at me because you're thinking, yeah, he has no idea. We, how are we going to get on all these retakes for students? We don't have enough time as it is. Then we're going to let them retake a test. And I hear you. I totally hear you. And that is completely understandable. But I'm going to throw this out. You know, testing can crush the confidence of a kid. It can absolutely be demoralizing. It doesn't matter if it's a senior. It doesn't matter if it's a first grader. I kid you not, as, a, as an elementary school teacher for many, many years, I, I felt like I was breaking their hearts sometimes. Here I am saying, just try, just try, just try. And then I give them a grade. And the grade is a C and they're not happy. And they're like, oh, I'm not good at this. Grades can be demoralizing. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of, of students who get grades aren't happy about it. You all right? So students get a B, they wanted an A. Students get a C, they wanted a B, and so forth. What I, I do want to point out is that a retake is something we do all the time in life. It's not something that we say, well, you don't get a second chance at that in life. That is not true at all. Just this week, went to the store, forgot something, had to go back. I needed a retake. There is even something called a mulligan in golf. Yep. I don't know if you golf much. I don't golf much anymore. But I do know I needed a lot of mulligans when I did because sometimes I would duff it off the tee or I'd slice it hard or I'd hook it hard. And whoever I was golfing with, it's not like we took it all that seriously. Like, take a mulligan, drop another one, hit another one. We all need mulligans sometimes. And yes, that does mean some extra problems as far as how the grades work, if you still have grades. But let me tell you, giving us giving another opportunity for a student is really important. I got a shout out for you know my son's high school teachers. He has he's done pretty well his freshman year at high school, and I was I had a lot of concerns. I've been overwhelmed with uh, just 
this feeling of amazement that his teachers are allowing him to retake. And in some cases, multiple times. You know, algebra is no joke. <laughs> and, and his algebra teacher, bless her heart, she's allowed him to retake things. And you know what? He gets better at it. And if he's going to go on to the next level of math, he needs to know those skills. So just leaving it behind and not allowing him to learn and get better could really hurt him. I'm very thankful to those high school teachers who've found the time and found a way to give their students multiple opportunities. I think it's something we all need to do some soul searching on. If we're grading, unless you're going, going like David, you know, and finding ways to kind of go gradeless, really, most of us are still doing grades. So if you're grading, try to find a way to give second chances. Somehow, some way, it can mean the world to students. Support is key. Being supportive is a key, people. Whether it's helping a kid in class with an assessment, whether it's giving them some extra support so they can do well on an assessment, or whether it's someone working in education, you need support too. And that's why I wanted to wrap up today with a quick shout out to some of the people who are really supportive in our Recharged Educators community. By the way, if you haven't joined up yet, you can join us. It's free. It's a free online community where we're all about supporting each other, celebrating your successes, and helping each other out. So shout out to you, Lauren, Christine, Sam, Kim, Shauna, Tressa, Ashley. You all are leading by example in our community. There's a lot of other people who are doing amazing things there as well, but I wanted to point out a handful of people who are just being really positive, supportive, they're posting, they're engaging with the com- in the community, they're reacting to others, they're welcoming others who come in. I just appreciate you all out there trying to help build our community. Let's keep it going and keep inviting your friends. The more people we come in that come into the community, the more people we have to help problem solve and share ideas and resources together. We just try to help each other out. If you haven't joined and you want to, down below in the show notes, click on the the join link and we'll be happy to welcome you into our community too. Remember, we want to be supportive. We want to be positive and build each other up. Frankly, I would love if the first thing you did in the morning, if you need a little pump me up, is go on to the community and find something positive to start your day. Or maybe it's the end. It's been a long day. You're laying in bed. You go on to our Slack community, and you're like, ah, that's really nice. Or thank you for sharing that resource. (laughs) Whatever it is. Something positive to keep you going. It's one of the main missions that we have. I want to close on this as I always do. Take care of yourself so you can take care of them. Thanks for all you do out there in education land. Appreciate you. Have a great one. We'll see you again soon. Party time. It's like sirens are going off in my head. We're going to try to just not be horrible. I'm one.
watching you, exhausting entertainers. Always watching. Last Christmas. <laughs> This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at teachbetter.com slash podcasts, and we'll see you at the next episode. We would like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of his music in our intro, outro, and also the music used in our interviews. You can find his information in the show notes below.